you know, I'm one of those people who can't resist looking up when there's a the sound of an airplane uh, passing by. And even though flying is extremely common these days, I think you'll agree with me that it remains a remarkable feat of engineering and watching an airplane take off is still a mesmerizing sight. Hi guys, I'm Andrea and I'm an aeronautical engineer. Mm. I'm Pia Rose. You're listening to Get That Bread, a show highlighting a variety of occupations, exploring what's involved and identifying the skills that are necessary for success. Welcome everyone to our debut episode. I am Pia Rose and welcome to our guest Andrea. Thank you. Really happy to be here, especially for the first episode, the premiere. There are many different paths within engineering, mechanical, chemical, civil to name a few. You are an aeronautical engineer. What does that mean? Yeah, so aeronautics and aeronautical engineering is essentially the study of machines that take flight. So planes, helicopters, rockets, as examples. And in this degree, you study all aspects of these machines, the fundamental physical principles that allow them to fly, their design, their control mechanisms, how to power them, the materials used to manufacture them, and so forth. And what course did you study in order to do this? So in my particular case, I studied a four-year master's in aeronautical engineering because it was very much the way that it was run at the university I attended, which had a dedicated department for this discipline. So this course had a very significant focus on aeronautics from year one. However, you'll find that in other cases, um, aeronautics is embedded, let's say, into general engineering courses and treated something like a speciality in the later years of the degree. This sounds like quite a specialized subject. Were you not concerned about having limited career options? So what I think is interesting about this uh, topic is that despite it being a specialized uh, engineering subject, I'd say it has applicability to a wide range of other industries, uh, not limited to aviation. So um, for an example, a big part of aeronautics is something called fluid mechanics, which is the study of the behavior of the fluid around an object. Now, evidently, this is crucial in aeronautics, as it is precisely you know, the interaction of air with the aircraft that allows it to fly. But the same principles can be applied to, for example, civil engineering, you know, the interaction of air around tall buildings, or buildings with quirky features, or say the movement of air around blocks of high-rise buildings in big cities. Similarly, you know, the study of blood flow in cardiovascular medicine, or the airflow in respiratory medicine, is based on the same principles of fluid dynamics. So what, what you'll find is that there's often aeronautical engineers or those with an aeronautics background working in a wide variety of fields well beyond that of aviation. Has this always been the case? I think to an extent, yes. Although I think this is particularly true in more recent years. So one of the big advances in aeronautics has been in the field of computational fluid dynamics which is the development of computer models used in design to reduce the amount of physical testing required, which therefore reduces the development time and cost. So these models you'll find are applicable to, to other fields. You know, another big output of aeronautics is the study of materials. Clearly aircraft have to be made of uh, very strong, but also light materials, 
which has actually pushed for new materials to be developed. And we found that a lot of these materials have found other uses in uh, things such as uh, prosthetics in medicine and also the automotive industry. So uh, I guess in summary, even though aeronautical engineering is a specialist discipline of, uh, of the engineering branch, uh, the applicability has far wider reach than would appear on, uh, on paper. And what made you want to do aeronautical engineering? So I've always had an interest for all mechanical things, in particular airplanes. I mean, I wanted to learn more about them. I want to be surrounded with people that share this same passion as me. You know, I'm one of those people who can't resist looking up when there's a the sound of an airplane uh, passing by. And even though flying is extremely common these days, I think you'll agree with me that it remains a remarkable feat of engineering and watching an airplane take off is, is still a, a mesmerizing sight. Have you got any tips for someone considering this degree? Honestly, it's to be prepared to give up their social life. <laughs> wow, honest feedback. <laughs> you work for an airline. What team are you part of? What do you do day to day? Are you in an office? Are you in the workshop with the planes? Tell me about your job. Yeah, so I work in, in the engineering department for an airline where our top priority is to make sure that the airplanes we operate are safe. But beyond that, they have to be reliable. They have to be able to offer an excellent experience for our customers and also economically viable to, to operate. In my specific case, I work in the engines team where we make sure that we have the right maintenance contracts and support from the engine manufacturers. So um, some of the time is spent actually down in the hangars, in the workshops, uh, speaking to the engineers who actually, uh, let's say, uh, turn the spanners, who touch the metal. These are the people that uh, know the, the hardware very well. They know things that uh, are good about it, that know things that are not good about it. They can often make recommendations of changes that would uh, really improve the reliability of the product. And then what we do is take these recommendations back as a feedback to the manufacturers and uh, recommend design changes. Despite the advances in technology over, say, the past 50 years, why do airplanes still look the same in design? So I think it's a good point. I mean, overall, I would agree with you. The airplanes uh, in the last 50, 60 years look uh, the same. You know, wings uh, which uh, are required to make it fly and a fuselage uh, which holds uh, passengers and, and cargo. So the shapes of planes is, is pretty much dictated by the physics and the pr basic principles that allow them to fly. But beyond that, underneath that, are actually some uh, intricate design changes, let's say, which have uh, driven vast improvements in efficiency well into the 20-30%. These are small changes to the wing design, to um, engine design, which actually, as I say, has allowed uh, a reduction in uh, fuel burn, which then translates into, most importantly, perhaps, um, lower environmental impact, but also uh, lower operating cost, which then, as we said before, has made this form of travel accessible to more people. And what about the Concorde? Why have we never seen a second one? So interestingly, Concorde was, was an airplane that looked, like, looked different, you're right, and in fact was an airplane like uh, no other. It flew at over twice the speed of sound, and so high in the atmosphere that you could see the blackness of space 
and the curvature of the Earth. You know, and bear in mind, this was designed in the 60s. This was very much the time uh, post-World War when there's a, a big push in, in development, a lot of investment, which actually allowed this sort of uh, technology to be developed. But as magical as it must have been to fly in, uh, the comfort levels were probably comparable to a packed tube train in London, other than the, the champagne and the caviar you were served. And the cost of traveling in it were accessible to very, very few people. So I'd say that nowadays people actually prefer to spend perhaps more time in the air in a much more comfortable environment and for a, a, a lower price. That's not to say that I don't hope or think that we'll see another supersonic uh, airliner like Concorde. But if we do, it will likely be on a much smaller scale than the hundreds of so seats that uh, Concorde had. What would you say are the biggest challenges in the industry? So the biggest, single biggest challenge uh, of the industry is that everything we do now is uh, wholly reliant on fossil fuels. So to fly as far, as fast, and with as many people as you do now is only possible thanks to really the, the amount of energy contained within oil. Um, so the encouraging thing I would say is that there are a lot of uh, programs, a lot of companies, a lot of investment um, going into the electrification of commercial aviation. So in the last uh, really two or three years, uh, there's been 100 plus companies which have uh, started up uh, their own development of an aircraft uh, wholly powered by electricity. At the moment, this is very much uh, on, let's say, um, a small scale, not a, a large, uh, wide body aircraft, but uh, undoubtedly with the right investment, the right people looking into this, uh, it will be a smooth transition from fossil fuel to renewable energy in aviation as well, as we have seen in other industries. What advice would you give to someone considering this line of work? So the thing that I like most about working in aviation, and specifically for an airline, is that traveling and flying is a really a huge part of people's lives, and being part of that is extremely special. Now Nowadays, flying is accessible to more social classes than ever before. And it will continue to do so going forwards. This is a fantastic achievement for the industry and it's important to continue this positive trend so everyone has access to it rather than being accessible to the rich few as it was in the past. However, this certainly does not mean that the customer's expectations are any lower than they used to be. Quite the contrary, in fact. You know, I find that airline customers are very unforgiving when things don't go to plan. It can be things like delays or cancellations, lost luggage, issues with the seat, or the in-flight entertainment. You know, for, if you take one extreme, air passengers that don't fly very often, most likely they've saved up for quite a while to be able to afford the flight that they're on. And the other extreme is the very frequent flyers. You know, the time they spend in the air is very precious because it allows them to disconnect temporarily from their busy lives. So in either extreme, and for the cases in between them, the flying experience is something they're highly conscious and aware of. So it's important to make it as special it is as we can for them. Now, lastly, what's the most fantastic thing about working for an airline? So I'd say that even though getting an aircraft into the air nowadays is elementary, to do it as frequently, safely and reliably and with the sophisticated onboard products and services offered nowadays, 
and be competitive playing the industry is by no means easy. And it really is a testament to all the skilled, passionate and dedicated people that work in the industry to make it happen. And for me and for all the others, uh, people that I work with, being part of that human and physical supply chain is something uh, that I absolutely love. Thank you so much, Andrea, for joining me. Oh, thank you. Thank you for what an insightful me. discussion. That brings us to the end of the episode. You, you really are so lucky to be working in an absolutely fascinating industry. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Keep your eyes peeled on the Instagram page at Get That Bread Podcast to see who's coming onto the show next.